Hello, and welcome to the My Messy Church podcast. Each week, we'll be going through your questions submitted during the weekend services and looking to scripture to help us find some answers. If you haven't listened to this weekend sermon, I want to encourage you to head over to curtislake.org backslash media, where you can listen to the sermon and have context for our conversation today. We love getting your questions and cannot wait to grow together. So without further ado, let's dive into My Messy Church. Hello, friends, uh, and welcome to the Curtis Lake podcast. Um, We are kind of relaunching this thing in tandem with a series that we began this past Sunday called My Messy Church, uh, which is a study and a walk through uh, the letter of Paul to the Corinthians, uh, what we call 1 Corinthians. And uh, we also started a Q&A forum, uh, which is what we're actually going to use to to kind of serve as the content for this podcast. So thank you, first of all, so much for uh, for contributing some questions. We had some good ones, and I, I think in the weeks to come, uh, as we get deeper into the material here that's covered uh, in Scripture, I'm sure there's going to be lots of really good questions. And then I'm going to sit here and try to do my best to uh, provide some, I don't know, just some of my uh, random thoughts. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, honestly, I, I didn't, I didn't take these questions and spend a lot of time uh, preparing answers. So you're going to get a, a kind of uh, uh, off the cuff, but hopefully still, you know, thoughtful uh, response. Uh, but anyway, thanks for tuning in. Some of you may be watching this on video. I'm not sure why, uh, but <laughs> we are right now video recording this. So if you're listening to the audio and you'd rather watch it again, I don't know why you'd want to do that, but uh, that is available as well. I, I expect most of you are probably uh, listening to this in your car, um, or, or doing this while you're doing something else. Uh, but again, uh, thanks so much for tuning in and, uh, and, you know, following this, this podcast, uh, cause we're just going to see how this goes. Uh, happy to hear any feedback you may have, uh, as we go along. All right. So let's get into it. Uh, we had some questions submitted during our first and second service this past Sunday. And so we're just going to try to kind of go through, uh, these uh, one at a time here. Um, just as a reminder, uh, the passage that we looked at was 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. And you know, one of the big ideas that at least I took away uh, and tried to communicate this past Sunday was this idea of how we are called, right? Like how God has, uh, for those of us who are following Jesus, we understand that God's called us uh, into a life that's being lived for him. And it's a life of purpose, like that there's, there's something very, very um real uh, that I think God wants to express through our lives uh, in the way in which we live them. And so for a lot of us, that's going to mean certain pursuits or passions or things that we uh, immerse ourselves into. And in discovering what that is that God's called us uh, to do or what God's called us to be, we're going to find what I described as sort of this range of emotions uh, that are going to come alongside because you know, when you're living a life that follows a passion, you know, that is not just a life that's lived very, um, in in kind of a sterile way or, or just, you know, just, just skating by, just kind of getting through life, just kind of taking care of, um, uh, the, the, the regular matters of life, but like really, really understanding what it means to live a life of purpose. You're going to find yourself in scenarios where, 
you're going to have these incredible highs um, emotionally uh, of, of just seeing God work through you and through others maybe that are working alongside you and seeing the effects of God's power being demonstrated, uh, not only in your life, but in other lives as well. And it's just, it's, it's, it's a pretty incredible uh, experience. And, but, but there's also with that, again, like living a life of passion means that there's going to be times of just utter disappointment um, where it's going to feel like your life is in complete upheaval or that um, this thing that you've really poured yourself into, uh, it feels like it's failing or fledgling. It's just, it's, it's not going anywhere. Or the results that you had hoped maybe to see aren't quite working themselves out. And certainly with that, there's going to be a lot of feeling of just wanting to quit, wanting to give up. And so you have this, um, a, a lot of times you have these, these two things kind of going on in your life at the same time. On the one hand, the, like, I just don't want to do this anymore. But on the other hand, this, well, I can't help <laughs> but do this, right? You see a, that there's some particular problem or an area of need or a way that you can minister and serve other people and, and, and so you're, you're compelled to, to pour your life into that thing. And um, I, I imagine many of you have you, you felt this in, in various uh, areas of your life. I mean, you think about those of you who are parents, uh, sometimes the way you pour your life into your kids, into your family, and, and a lot of times there's just moments of incredible celebration. There's other moments of like, how did I do this? so badly. And, uh, again, it's just, it, why does that come? Because you're, well, you're passionate about your kids. You're passionate about where they're going with their lives, the decisions that they're making, like you have a vested interest in them. And so, uh, as you immerse yourself into ministry into serving others, uh, as you immerse yourself into this life of pursuing God with all your heart, you're just gonna, you're gonna find a lot of that same stuff. And so we saw some questions kind of reflected in, in, uh, those thoughts. And so, uh, let's, let's look at the first one here. Um, so one question that was submitted, in fact, this got the most, uh, the most likes here. So we're going to start right here with the, the most popular question. Um, the question is how do we not compartmentalize areas of our life and what does that look like? Now this, this question comes out of, I, I think, uh, a comment that I made that what we're not supposed to do with our lives is live these fractured, um, kinds of lives. That is, you know, that we have a segment of our life that is reserved for more holy and religious things like attending church or, you know, some other, uh, some other things that we may do, uh, from a religious standpoint. And then we have, we have these, these other areas of our lives, like our work life and our home life and our, uh, you know, life at the lake with our friends and, and, and that there's a disconnect between, you know, the kind of people that we are, um, depending on which of those areas we may find ourselves. Uh, we might commonly describe uh, the kind of scenario where, you know, a person has um, a very particular way of being when they're, when they're with their friends uh, and, and, and the kinds of conversations that they're that they're, that they're willing to have are not the same kinds of conversations that they would necessarily find appropriate in church, say, you know, or among another group of people that, um, that, that, that might find the, the language of the conversation to be, uh, to be offensive or just, you know, kind of downright ungodly. 
and, and that, that we have, that we're okay with sort of living in both of those worlds. Um, so to not compartmentalize areas of our life is to understand that like every part of my life comes under the domain and the kingship of Jesus. Like that's really ultimately what it's all about. When I surrender my life to, to Jesus and I declare my allegiance to him, it's not, it's not just this like little piece of me that I'm offering to Jesus and saying, you know, I want to, I want to reserve 70, 80, 90% of my life to kind of pursue and do whatever I want. And I, I don't want God to really involve himself in that, those areas of my life or to speak into those areas of my life. But I, I mean, I am, I am still going to maintain some sense of, um, performing my, my, my religious duties, uh, because it makes me feel good or whatever. And so I, I, you know, I have this little small compartment uh, that maybe lasts for an hour or two on a Sunday morning at church, or, you know, perhaps even at another time, uh, during the week. But that's just like, that's a fractured way of living. And really following Jesus is a pursuit of our whole hearts. It's our whole lives. It's giving him, you know, every part of us. And so when I, when I begin to follow Jesus, there's a, there's a, there should be, I think, a distinction between um, my, the way I, maybe the way I used to go to work and the way I go to work now. Uh, it doesn't mean that I was a bad worker before and now I'm just all of a sudden this incredible worker. Uh, but, but there should be, I think, some transformation in, uh, first of all, the way I see my work, right? Before perhaps work was for me just, it was a way to make money. It was a way to support my family uh, and my other interests. Uh, I worked because, well, that's what you do. You, you work. Um, but when, I, when my life comes under the domain and lordship of Jesus, now, now I bring my work to him. So I may be doing a lot of the same things. I may be doing them in a lot of the same ways. Uh, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm, I'm more productive. I might have been plenty productive before I was following Jesus, but it's, there's, a, there's a difference in, in my attitude toward the work because now I'm seeing it as a way in which I am worshiping God. Like, yeah, I actually worship God through my work, through the way that I work, through the way that I am at work, as opposed to just thinking that, okay, when I punch the clock, well, now I have my worker's hat on and I'm, I'm, that's who I am until I punch out and then, and then maybe I can get spiritual later. No, the, the life that we're called to live spiritually and in communion with God really is supposed to be a 24-7 pursuit. And I understand that's hard, right? Um, you know, the person that's asking this question is asking it because it's like, uh, you know, how do we do that? And, uh, and there certainly are uh, some ways that, that we can help incorporate uh, into our lives a, a, a higher degree of uh, walking uh, in attunement with what God's doing in our lives. You know, maybe we have to uh, build certain times in our day where, you know, where we're forced to kind of pause and just remember uh, that we're not, we're not walking through this world alone, but we're walking in tandem with Jesus. We're trying to be attentive to how he is uh, speaking to our hearts, like drawing us close to him. Uh, so maybe, you know, multiple times a day, I need to set an alarm on my phone and just, you know, that alarm goes off and it kind of triggers me to be mindful of the fact that uh, I'm, I'm, I'm walking with Jesus. Uh, yeah, I'm even walking with Jesus here in my workplace. 
And, uh, and, and, you know, you do that enough, you incorporate, you know, certain disciplines or things like that. Eventually they become habits, um, figuring out how to set the pace for your day. Uh, maybe, maybe you've never had the ritual of, uh, starting your day off with just some very dedicated time spent with the Lord that sort of sets the mood or sets the tone for the rest of the day. Uh, that might be a good uh, exercise for you to incorporate into your life, you know, just to say, uh, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to get up a little extra early and I, I'm going to build into my morning routine, a time to just sit quietly before God and maybe spend a few moments in prayer or, uh, reading God's word, you know, something like that. Uh, so it, yeah, I mean, just kind of, you know, building those things into our lives so that we aren't thinking of ourselves as these fractured human beings that wear these different hats at different times, but rather that our whole lives come under uh, the Lordship of Jesus. All right. Um, another question was, what about feeling like you have multiple callings at once or the journey in recognizing when the season of one calling is finished and a new one is beginning? Uh, it's a really great question. And I can, I can understand that you know, when we're talking about callings or, you know, maybe, maybe a, a good word here would be, you know, these things that I feel passionate about or that I'm, uh, there's some of you out there that I know you just, it's like a problem pops up and you want to go and solve it. Um, and if you're not an expert, uh, who can quickly come up with a solution to that thing, then you want to figure out how to become an expert to go in, right? Because you're just, you're a problem solver. And I do think that we have to understand what are our limitations as human beings, the reality that we can't do absolutely everything. Um, and that doesn't mean that we have to be so singularly focused on one thing that we can't, uh, we can't have multiple kind of irons in the fire. I think that's perfectly fine. It's just, it's really going to depend on uh, a variety of factors. It could be the season of life that we're in. Uh, some of us have greater degree of autonomy with our, our time say than others, you know, like if you, if you're a mom or dad with four young kids at home, uh, it's probably a difficult time for you to get involved in a whole bunch of different things all at the same time. But if your kids are grown and out of the house and, uh, maybe you're even, uh, kind of heading toward retirement or you're semi-retired, well, you're going to find that you have a lot of uh, autonomy with your time. And so maybe you can, give more of your life to various things. But I think the idea of, yeah, we're going to have feelings sometimes, and it's just really important to try to discern those feelings and see how God is moving us. You know, where, where is God leading and directing us and, and not being afraid to, to, to some degree to really hone in or focus in on some particular thing, because I'm sure many of you know, uh, this is a lesson that I, you know, I, I'm still trying to learn myself. Uh, as a person that, you know, I love to start things. I love the newness of things. I love to jump into things. And all of a sudden I find myself just, you know, I've got 40 different things going on and I'm not doing any of them well. Uh, and, and some of you have probably experienced that as well, that uh, you just, you're, you're, you're giving some mediocre effort to uh, a whole bunch of different things at once. It, probably a better use of uh, our time and the other resources that God has given us uh, is to really try to discern, you know, what is it that God's calling me into, um, you know, at this time? And related to that, the question was asked, how do you know maybe when one, when, when you're calling or something that you were called into, that the season for that is finished and it's time for something else? Well, I think you, the, the very fact that you're 
you're feeling that is probably an indication that that may be the case, right? Um, not every time when we feel like we want to get done, that, that's not always the same thing as quitting, right? It's not always the same thing as giving up. Um, sometimes God just moves in our heart in that way. Uh, I can certainly remember, you know, times where God has moved me out of one place and uh, the, some of the, the, the first indications of that were, uh, yeah, maybe there were premonitions um, that I was sort of discerning in my mind, but just also feelings, you know, like I, I, I'm not as passionate about this particular thing as I used to be. And, and what do I do with that? Am I supposed to try to figure out how to re-drum up the passion? I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe sometimes, but also maybe I need to be open to the fact that God's just moving me into a different season of my life. And so uh, I think not being too quick to to just quit and give up and throw in the towel, especially if things are going bad. Uh, if things are going badly, that is not always an indication that it's time for you to get done. I mean, it could be, but it's not always a time. And so uh, I think in those moments, it's really, really important for us to really press into the presence of God and, and, and maybe spend some extra time alone and quiet with him, really thinking through and reflecting, uh, perhaps even recording in something like a journal, uh, some of the ways in which we're, we're feeling certain things um, so that we give ourselves the luxury uh, of some time not making any rash decisions. Um, all right, another question was, what about when there is such a great need, but it's not an area you feel called to, but the need isn't being met. How do you determine, how do you determine when to help? <sighs> yeah. Uh, so it'd be great if, <laughs> if we didn't have this scenario, uh, that whenever there was a need, there were just lots of well-equipped people ready to rush in and, and help. But, um, the person asking this question, I think, recognizes one of the great challenges that we have, and that is that there are, there's just, there's an overwhelming number of, uh, in terms of quantity, but also of uh, just the, uh, the, the, the breadth and depth of, of need out there. There's, I could walk out of this building right now and just start walking through the streets of Sanford, and there's, I'm going to be presented with really a limitless uh, number of needs. Um, so, all right, well, what about when there's this great need and you don't necessarily feel called to, to help? Um, you know, there have been times, I mean, I've, I felt like, I felt like there was something that is kind of going on or a, an area of need. And, and I felt exactly that, like, this is, this just isn't, this isn't something that I'm necessarily being called into. And uh, other people that are very, very passionate about that particular thing have a tendency sometimes to be kind of judgmental of others that aren't feeling as passionate as they are. Uh, that's a, especially, you know, you come into a, like a spiritual community like ours where people are uh, oftentimes very motivated to do, you know, any number of things. We have to recognize that my giftings, my callings, the resources that God has given me, the you know particular um, season of life that I may be in, it's just it's not going to be exactly the same as everybody else's. It can't be. In fact, it's really good that it isn't. And so I have to be careful. If there's something I'm very very passionate about that I'm pouring my life into, it's easy for me to look at 
other people and say, what's, what's their problem? <laughs> like, why, why do they not care about this as much as I do? And that's a, that's, that's, that's not a good, that's just not a good observation of, you know, kind of what's, what's going on there. So when you're on that end and you see the need, I, I guess I would just recommend, well, if there's, if there's a way that you can contribute to that, um, you know, maybe feel free to go ahead, right? Like sometimes there are things that, that will present themselves before us that we don't necessarily have to pour our whole lives into, but that we can, we can jump in and, and, and meet them. And th sometimes there's things that will pop up that may, you know, they may not fall in our wheelhouse of our, our, our great interests. They're not the kinds of things that we'd want to jump in, but you know, sometimes it's okay to have yourself stretched a little bit. Uh, you know, we, you know, we have uh, a number of, uh, ministries, um, uh, service opportunities, events, even, you know, things like that, that we do here, uh, as a way to reach people in our community. And so a lot of times we're, you know, we're looking for people, you know, we need a lot of people to help. Uh, and, and I know there's probably a lot of people that are like, I don't want to do that. And, you know, sometimes, uh, I wish people would get over that, well, I don't want to do that and maybe, maybe jump in. Right. Because there's just, there's some of those things that, uh, I think that we cooperate in together with that We don't have to feel like, well, I was called to do that. Um, and so how do you determine when to help? Well, if you have the ability to help, if it's something that's maybe kind of nagging at you, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's God's voice just kind of slowly speaking to you to, to go ahead and, and do it. And so I'd encourage you to maybe let yourself slide in um, to help in some of those moments. All right, here's, a, here's an easy question. Is there a Bible translation you use primarily? Um, and this was asked a couple of times. Uh, so... The translation that I most often use on Sunday mornings is called the Christian Standard Bible, uh, or abbreviated the CSB. Uh, that is uh, currently my my um, my Bible of choice. Believe it or not, I actually don't I don't own a paper copy of that Bible. Uh, but when I'm when I'm studying, reading uh, on my computer, or on my phone, or whatever, then that's generally the the, the translation that I start with. Uh, I do use other translations as well, especially as I'm really trying to focus on some particular text because uh, many of you know this, but some of you may not. Like these English translations that we have are, they're done uh, by a, a significant group of scholars who spend a lot, a lot of time working through the original text, right? Or at least the text derived um, in their original language. So like in the New Testament, this letter of 1 Corinthians was written in, um, in Koine Greek, right? This ancient Greek language. And so uh, these teams of people work really, really hard to understand um, how best to translate uh, the text. And the reason why we have these different versions of these different translations is because uh, they arrive at, you know, maybe some you know, slightly different ways to understand the words. It doesn't mean that the words don't have um, very, very solid and specific meaning, but there's, there's a lot of times when it comes to language, there's some nuance there. And so the CSB is a, it's just a really good translation uh, that kind of does its best to give us um, a, a reliable uh, 
English translation in a way that we speak modernly. Um, and so it's, it's pretty readable. And um, yeah, if you've never tried it, I encourage you to go ahead and uh, check that out. All right. Um, how did you figure out what God was calling you into? All right. Um, it's a good question. Personal question. So my story, as far as like being called into ministry, uh, which I recognize is it, this is not going to be the calling for everybody. And I, I hope that we, we try here at Curtis Lake to make it really clear that there's very little difference between the life of the person who's called into ministry, like full-time ministry, like I am, and the, the life of the Christian who's just been called into some other vocation, right? Like we don't, we don't have this massive separation between the clergy and the lay person. In fact, I think it's a really unhealthy way to look at what we are as a community. Um, there's nothing particularly special uh, about me, you know, merely because of some, some of the, um, some of the features of the office of pastor that I may happen to be called into and to perform on a routine basis, right? Like the fact that I get up and, and teach and preach on the word of God on Sunday morning and, uh, or, or that I'm the head of this particular organization. It doesn't, from a, from an ecclesiastical standpoint, it doesn't put me on a different place. You know, it's funny, a lot of times when I'm uh, with people like, you know, guys in my golf group or whatever, uh, they, they'll joke about, um, you know, I hit a ball sideways and it's heading into the woods and it hits a tree and bounces back out onto the fairway. And, you know, the first thing that comes to their mind is, you know, that I have some kind of divine connection that I don't know, makes me more fortunate than, uh, than, you know, if they hit the same shot and, but, you know, like that's not the case. I mean, we're, uh, when we talk about the, the, I think the Bible is very clear in how it paints, uh, the picture of what we call the priesthood of all believers. And that is that we all, if you're a follower of Jesus, like you are a part of this priesthood, you are part of the gang of people that has been commissioned to bring hope, to bring the light of the gospel into the world. And that while there may be some of us who have, you know, some particular office, um, that, you know, that, that's, that's, it's merely a, a vocation or a calling that I think God has, you know, maybe specially called us to, uh, but it doesn't mean that it's like better from a qualitative standpoint than the way in which a lot of other people um, are living their lives out uh, surrendered to Jesus and, and, and oftentimes given opportunities to do kinds of ministry that I don't even have access to. So anyway, how did you figure out what God was calling you into? Like, how did, how did I decide, okay, well, this is what I want to do with my life. Um, you know, for me, it was just in this, in the, in the later season of my, uh, high school career, you know, I mean, I had, I had different thoughts for what I was going to do following, uh, my high school graduation and what I thought that I might be. Uh, but you know, in my senior year, I just had some really incredible, uh, experiences in ministry. Uh, I, I, I went on, a couple of missions trips, you know, outside of the country and like did ministry in other parts uh, of the world. I, in my church, in my local church, I was 
uh, I was being used. I was giving op- I was being given opportunities uh, to to serve the church uh, in ministry. You know, sometimes in teaching capacities and uh, other leadership capacities. And it, you know, there's there was nothing like grand, um, you know, or anything like written up in the sky that Josh, I want you to I want you to become a pastor. It's just it, it's sort of the daily following of Jesus. Uh, and and taking each day as it came, uh, as well as discerning, you know, the direction that I should go in that ultimately had me sort of answering the call that this is what I was going to do with my life. I, I don't know that it's too different from uh, some, you know, when some people feel like, all right, this is what I want to do with my life, with my career. And then they commit themselves to that and they run after it and they, they do all the stuff that you've got to do in order to actually... Uh, pursue that career it you know it's 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 kind of like that it's just instead of going to a university for some other educational track i you know i i went to study the bible and uh study what it means to to do pastoral ministry now interestingly it well i mean interesting to me it's been quite a journey you know i i when i was approaching graduation um and you know, seeking my ministerial credentials, which which was this whole process, I certainly had in my mind this idea that I was gonna, uh, I was gonna step out of that, uh, like the formal education part of my life, and and jump right into full time ministry. Uh, for a lot of people that that go in that direction with their education, that's sort of the expectation uh, that there's gonna be, you know, there's gonna be some church that's just gonna be, or maybe a bunch of churches that are gonna that I'm going to have to decide between, um, you know, like who wants this, you know, this up and coming preacher pastor. And, you know, the, the, uh, the truth is like that didn't happen. Uh, I was, I was bivocational for, um, I think I've been bivocational more than I have been involved in full-time ministry. Um, you know, I graduated from school in 1998 and um, immediately following that, I received my ministerial credentials. But I worked part time at a church for uh, for about seven years, and I I had to work a full time job uh, outside of that in order to support my. I was married, and uh, we soon had our first kid, and then a, a second kid. So I, you know, I had to do something to to earn money, and the, I, I wasn't getting paid really particularly much of anything. Um, but I, I kept working in the church. I kept working through ministry. It wasn't until 2009 that I actually um, took on my first full-time job in a church. And so anyway, it, yeah, it's been, it's been quite a journey. And I think that for a lot of people, as they're trying to discover what God's calling them into, there's going to be a lot of times these thoughts that, all right, well, this is what I'm going to do, and this is exactly how it's going to look. And then it doesn't, it doesn't go that way at all, right? It just... It, it, there's a, there's a series of seasons that in retrospect, you look at as, wow, these have prepared me for what it is that God's calling me into doing now. And so, um, if, if you're out there and you're sort of wrestling with, you know, trying to figure out what God has called you or what God is calling you into, like, don't be, please don't be frustrated with, with where you are now or with how long maybe it's taking for you to actually get there. Cause there's a really good chance. Uh, if you're, if you're paying attention, 
if you're being intentional with your life and not just letting life kind of go along on autopilot and get away from you, if you're actually being intentional, uh, I think you'll find that, that God will actually, he's preparing you right now for whatever it is, um, not only that you're supposed to be doing now, but, but even what's coming next. Um, so there's a question here. What was the city of Corinth like? I'm just going to skip that. Um, we're going to, we're going to see over the, these next weeks, um, there'll be allusions to, uh, what Corinth was like. I guess I will say that, uh, while Corinth is an ancient city, all right. And, and that the, this letter was written nearly a couple thousand years ago. Uh, yes, there are some ways in which Corinth was different, <laughs> um, from like what our modern day world looks like. But it, if you've ever heard the expression that comes out of the Bible, that there's nothing new under the sun, I mean, there truly is nothing new under the sun. And so there's a lot of ways in which Corinth corresponds very, very well uh, to our world uh, even today. And so we're going to find plenty um, of parallels uh, that I think that while you know, Paul is addressing some particular issue in the messy church of Corinth. It's like, oh yeah, this is either a messy um, thing for us as well, or potentially a messy thing for us as well. All right. Uh, how can you tell when you shouldn't be doing something you felt called to initially versus just being tired or frustrated, like when it's time for a big change? I think we, uh, I think we kind of tackled that one um, in another question. So we'll just, uh, we'll let that one go. Um, another question was, this is specifically about the text. Paul was called, uh, by the will of God and Sosthenes. So, um, the person asking this question is referring to verse one and asks, um, does that mean that he was called by both God and this man? So, so verse one reads like this, Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes. So it's not, that's not saying that Paul was being called by Jesus and by Sosthenes, uh, but rather that like Paul is introducing not only himself, but also uh, somebody that he was probably working alongside. Uh, uh, we, we pointed out that there is a guy by the name of Sosthenes found uh, in the, uh, I think, the 18th chapter of Acts, which talks about the, the start up of the church of Corinth, um, who was he was a leader of the synagogue. Right. So he's this Jewish leader. And the, the, the narrative there tells us that following uh, a conflict uh, between the Jewish people and Paul and his teaching uh, that they ended up taking this guy Sosthenes and beating him uh, in front of a, a Roman court. And that's kind of all, all we know. It, it, that may be the same guy uh, that Paul's referring to here, uh, but just making that connection uh, with Sosthenes. Or he could be somebody that is just some other guy, and that's really all we know about him. I'm looking for a way to make the Bible come more alive for me. I've read it several times in the last decades, but not much recently. Any suggestions? Um, I, I mean, I, I find the Bible to be incredibly fascinating. Uh, and, and I think that, um, I mean, I don't know what, I don't know what it looks like when you say you've read it several times in the last uh, in the last decades and, or maybe why it, the, the excitement of getting into it is kind of worn off, but I would recommend that, uh, maybe, you know, you really focus in on, you know, uh, reading and studying some particular, you know, um, you know, maybe grab one of the gospels or something like that and just say, all right, I'm going to really kind of dive into this gospel as opposed to just 
you know, reading, um, trying to read as much as you can, as fast as you can, but actually getting into uh, and, and maybe buying a, a, a companion book, uh, like a Bible study for whatever that, that book is that you choose. You, know, you say, all right, I'm going to study the, the Gospel of Luke. Like, go ahead and buy a commentary that goes along with that. And maybe in reading some of the thoughts uh, and the, uh, like the outside um, commentary about that scripture, maybe that'll help to, uh, to bring the text a little more alive. Because there certainly is, the, 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 the Bible is, it is a living, breathing document. Um, while it is fixed and, and done and closed uh, and given to us uh, for all time, it is, it is incredibly alive. And you'll, uh, you'll find people actually oftentimes, you know, thinking about like reading, they read a passage of scripture that was maybe even familiar and, and, and they'll say of it, it's like, wow, I just, you know, I never thought of it this way because they, they hear, you know, another person's take on that thing. So. Um, all right. Getting back to calling, does being called out usually mean to totally change the direction of your life? Uh, that's a great question. I think that comes from like we were looking at the example of Paul and how he had this really dramatic life change, right? That his life was going in one direction and then it just utterly changed when he, um, when he was apprehended by revelation of Jesus. So, does this mean for the ordinary person, a total change of direction in your life? So I would say to that, yes and no. Um, no in that, well, just because you surrender your life to Jesus doesn't mean that you have to quit your job and follow a completely different pursuit than you had before as a way to like separate that old life from the new life. Actually, there's, there's a really good chance that for 99% of us, there's a lot of continuity in the direction of our lives uh, before and after we encounter and surrender ourselves to Jesus. So in that way, I'd say, no, not, uh, there may not be a, a change in direction in that sense. However, yes, there ought to be a, a radical change of direction in our lives, right? Like we're talking about the difference between living our lives apart from and without regard for what Jesus wants for us and coming wholly and completely and a hundred percent under his lordship, under his kingship, under his divine um, and regal authority for our lives. And, you know, if I think that, if I start to think that, that, that doesn't require a massive change in my, in my attitude, in the, um, in the condition of my heart, then I, 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 probably, I probably haven't actually gotten how drastically far from God I was <laughs> before I encountered Jesus, right? Like it, it, if I have this kind of feeling that, that I, I, I was, a, a, for all practical purposes, a really, really good uh, and upstanding guy and, um, and, and Jesus has only sort of required this very small incremental change uh, or transformation of my life. Well, I, I'm, I'm probably missing really how far my sin and the condition of my heart was actually from God. What the Bible reveals to us is that we are all in desperate need of salvation. We're all, we're all lost and wayward and far from God. 
and, and while sometimes we think of our nearness or, or farness from God as being related to our behaviors, you know, like, uh, you know, somebody that's just behaving in ways that everybody would agree are very, very ungodly and wicked and all that. And so clearly they're far away from God. And then on the other hand, you've got this guy who's, um, who's, who's doing practically everything right, you know, not particularly religious. And, and so, yeah, I mean, there may, there may be ways in which we see a life transformed on the out, like when it comes to the outside behavior is being very different from one person to the next. But, uh, to have this, this thinking that, you know, just because somebody is behaving very, very badly, well, their, their heart must be, you know, incredibly bad. And you know, I wasn't behaving all that badly. And so my heart must be relatively good. I think that really kind of misses, uh, what the Bible reveals to us about who we are. Um, the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one that we all desperately need Jesus to save us from our sins. And that without him, we are hopeless. Um, we're guilty before God. And so we bring that right. And then, and we surrender that part of ourselves. You know, I might say if, if we were feeling kind of that way, that we, we, there's not a whole lot of Jesus we really need. I would guess that one of our big problems is pride. (laughs) There's a, uh, there's probably some hubris there and, and pride is, uh, listed among, uh, and is really kind of the, the um the the underworld of uh, really practically every sin so um anyway all right um is it wrong to financially benefit from a calling um so i don't know exactly what is being asked here if it's this like a universal question or if this is specifically saying um you know i i talk about my story and how god has called me uh say into ministry and you know clearly i i i have the benefit of getting paid for living out that calling, right? Like I'm a, I'm a pastor who works for an organization. And, uh, and so uh, I get paid to do that. Should I be, so if the, if the question is, should I be getting paid to do that? Or should I, should I and others be pastoring churches while, uh, you know, as volunteers while, you know, figuring out how to, to live, um, by, by working a regular job or, or something like that. I can tell you I've done both. Like I already, I already shared with you a little bit of my story, right? I, I have done both. Uh, is it wrong to financially benefit from a calling? Is it, and maybe we could take this, you know, from a, a person who's in pastoral ministry, as well as somebody that's maybe leading some other organization that's helping them to live out their passions to somebody that's not leading an organization, but that is also sort of benefiting from living out that calling is it wrong? No, I don't think it's, I don't think it's wrong at all. Uh, I think in fact that, uh, yeah, the more that we can sort of commit our lives to what it is that we're called to do, I think, I think that's a, that's a wonderful thing. Um, now Paul does, I mean, Paul says even in this letter, and we certainly have precedence for, uh, the fact that there are going to be some people who will, materially benefit from, uh, from the ministry that they may be involved in. This, this harkens back to even before the days of the church. Uh, you think about, uh, the temple that was the place in which kind of ministry was done, uh, as well as, uh, synagogues that might've been dispersed throughout, 
the land of Israel, but you know specifically the temple. I mean, you had you had a whole family of priests uh, that they didn't they didn't do these other jobs. They they worked as priests, and so they they materially benefited from from that priesthood. Uh, the Levites were workers within the temple that had all kinds of different responsibilities, and they too um, they lived off the 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 offerings uh, that came from the people that they were ministering to. All right, a um, couple more questions and we're done. Um, this first one, we'll, uh, I think we'll take this up again maybe next week because we're going to actually talk about the subject. But the question is, what, what do we do about the division in churches in beliefs um, of how to live as a Christian? Um, and then kind of secondarily, you know, how, what do we do about the immorality of the world that's widely accepted even by churches? So, uh, yeah, we'll just kind of table that one, maybe take that up next week, um, and, and probably that's going to come out multiple times over the course of our time. And then finally, uh, I understood communion is only for people who have put their faith in Jesus, and then you are to examine yourself and ask for forgiveness first before taking. Uh, so I think this question is sparked because of the way, the way we do communion here at Curtis Lake is, uh, we, we talk about how it's open to everybody. Uh, we don't require that a person be a professing Christian, um, uh, in order to participate in communion, but that, um, that everybody's welcome to do that. And, you know, that's, that's sort of a, you're going to find, I'm sure a range of opinions on exactly who, should be or should not be taking communion. You know, you go to a, um, like if I went to a Catholic church, my understanding is that I wouldn't even be able to receive communion there because I'm not, you know, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't been baptized into the Catholic faith, right? Like there's certain things, there's criteria that I haven't met that make me eligible for receiving the Eucharist, right? So that would, I, I'd be denied uh, participation in that. And, uh, and, and so we have, we just, we kind of, we, we look at communion for our church community just a little bit differently. Um, you know, first of all, communion, there's nothing particularly salvific about taking communion, meaning like communion doesn't help us be saved or stay saved. Uh, but rather it is a, it's a memorial, uh, right. Of the, of the last supper that Jesus shared with his disciples. And we're given, uh, some instruction that it's something that we, we ought to do at least from time to time. I mean, the early church, they practice communion all the time. Like every single one of their gatherings, uh, they would have received communion and there is an, um, and so I won't get into it too much, but there is in the writing of Paul to the Corinthians, some instructions specifically about communion, um, that, you know, I think the, the questioner here is probably referring to, right, this idea of examining yourself, right, because there were people in the Corinthian church who were doing something that Paul describes as taking communion in an unworthy manner, um, and because of that, some of them got sick, and some of them even died, um, so that is a kind of scary notion, uh, so yeah, what do you do with that? Well, uh, I guess you'll have to stay tuned, and maybe we'll take that up in uh, several weeks when we get to that passage of scripture. All right. Uh, so that's it for now. Thanks again so much for tuning in. Um, this was fun, at least for me and uh, hopefully for you as well. And uh, hope to be together with you again next week. All right. God bless. Have a wonderful day. 
Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of the My Messy Church podcast. If you're local to the area, we would love for you to join us on Sunday mornings at either 8.45 or 10.30 a.m. If you're not local, feel free to stream online at curtislake.online.church. Thanks again for joining us, and we can't wait to see you next week.